Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Good morning, church people. How are you? Oh, good. What a full house, man. It's so awesome to be in worship with my church family today and to be able to to get to open the scriptures and study, and not just study, but to be transformed. So thank you for being here. Hey, if you're new, I'm Pastor Randall. I want to welcome you to Lanier Hills Church. So how about this? I think, um, I think God has been giving us a little taste of what hell's going to be like the last week. Anybody? It's been a little hot. It's not just a little. been super hot. But we are here. We're grateful to be able to worship and to um, get into this nice, beautiful place and worship together. So thank you. And if you're online with us worshiping, if you're at the beach or you're somewhere else or you can't make it, maybe you're homesick today, thank you for worshiping with us. And if you're just checking us out, I want to say thank you. Come and uh, worship in person with us. We uh, would love to have you here. So Thank you, guys. You have your Bibles with you. You're going to need them. We're going to be in John chapter 6 in just a few moments. We're, we are going through the book of John. We've been going through it for uh, a few weeks, and we're going to take our time just kind of going through section, a little section of it, and we're going to do it, take about 43 weeks to go through it, because we've already got it planned out into next year, what we'll be teaching about. But we're just going through this and talking about who Jesus is and the idea of coming and seeing who Jesus is, to this, this idea of this, why we have this up here, come and see. Because we want to recognize him and understand him. And John does a really good job of helping us to uh, understand that Jesus was more than just a man, that he is divine, that he, there's something unique about him. So we're taking a time to go through that, and that's what we're doing. We're going to do that again today. But I've got a question for you. How many of you, like, have um, started a new hobby you started a new hobby only to just kind of abandon it weeks later when the initial excitement wore off. Anybody? You've done that? Yeah, a few of you guys. For example, my wife and I, um, about two years ago, we decided, you know what? Everybody's playing pickleball. We need to play some pickleball. Anybody else? Any pickleball players here today? A few of you guys? Yeah. Uh, um, and so we said, we need to do pickleball. So we we were out one day and we saw a pickleball racket, you know, set or paddle set, whatever, not racket, whatever. And, and so we, uh, we bought this set and so we're so excited to play. And we go, went home, we set it in the garage right there where we'd see it. And that's where it stayed for two years. <laughs> two years, right? Because we were just like, you know, here's what happens. I start thinking about, man, I'm going to go play battle paddleball. But then it's 110 degrees outside. Pickleball, but it's 110 degrees. It's hot. Like, I'm thinking, I don't want to be on a court. It's hot. I mean, you guys that are doing that, hey, way to go. Y'all are strong. April, way to go. See you playing your pickleball. You guys are enjoying that, but I just hadn't got around to it. How about this? Maybe it's not a hobby. Maybe it's a project. I have got so many bags with unopened projects from Home Depot in them. Anybody else? You're like, I'm going to do this thing, and I need to fix this, and I buy all this stuff, and then I'll go, and I've got all of these undone projects. And then two years later, I'll be like, I'm going to do that, and I'll go buy the same things again. Anybody else do that? No? Okay. All right. Sorry. I'm just weird. But I've got a lot of projects and hobbies that I have start. Maybe some just too busy, or I don't know. But 
I, we do this thing where we start projects, start things, and when they maybe get hot, it gets too hot, it gets too hard, too busy, inconvenient, whatever it is, we, we tend to just kind of let it go. And, and here's where I'm going with this today. A lot of us do the same thing with our spiritual walk. It's more like a hobby. More like a hobby instead of a lifetime commitment. See, being a disciple is not a hobby we pick up and drop. It is a life-altering commitment. Got that? What is it, church? It's a life-altering commitment, but I don't know that we get that often. We, I don't know if we understand that. So we're going to talk about this today because some of you here, listen, what you're doing, you're just dabbling a little bit in, in philosophies and religions. You're taking a little bit here, you're listening here, you're watching here, you're reading a little bit here, but you might lose interest in this or whatever, or even comes to Christianity. Maybe you're dabbling a little bit and, and you haven't really gone all the way. You haven't made the full, it's just like a hobby to you. Or maybe you're a new Christian, and we have a lot of new believers here, and you've been excited about your faith, but what often happens after the honeymoon wears off, and things get real, and you've realized what it means to follow Jesus when the excitement is gone, you, you just ended up, you might just be dabbling. So today, we're going to talk about how do we move beyond and not become a, just a dabbler in the faith, but someone who is actually understands the depth of, of what it means to be a Christian, to be a Jesus follower. So we're going to do that today. We're going to be in John 6 and verse 47. Now, here's what we're going to do. The scripture today, we, we're going to see, it says this certain thing. It says, no one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws them. And that's important. That's why every, just about every Sunday, I try, to rem, I try to remember, before we jump into the scripture, I like for us to pray, God, will you open my heart? Will you open my eyes? Will you open my ears? Will you, will you give me um, a mind to understand? Because God is the one that draws us to him. And it starts with us coming with a humble heart saying, God, would you do the work in me? Because he's the one that's going to do it. So if anything happens in you today, you know what that is? It's God doing that in you. But it starts with us coming saying, Lord, do it, do it, do it. So let's go to him in prayer and ask him to do that today. Would you close your eyes with me and let's, let's go to prayer. Let's just, first of all, Lord, thank you. I want to thank you for every person here. They are precious to you. There's someone you died for, someone you love, someone you have a purpose and a plan for. They're not here by accident. You've drawn them here today for whatever means, whatever reasons, they're here today. So thank you. I want to encourage you just to say this to, to God today. God, would you open my heart to what you want to do in me today? Would you open my mind to what you want me to see and understand? God, would you open my eyes to the things I need to see? Give me spiritual eyes. And Lord, give me spiritual ears to hear your voice. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. We thank you for your word. It is powerful. It is true. It is life-changing. Would you change us today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John 
6 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, scan that little QR code. It'll take you there. You can see it on the screens too. We've got a big passage we're going to read today, but it's only half of the story where we've been. So let me get you caught up. Three weeks ago, we learned about how Jesus took some fish and just a handful of fish and bread, and he fed over 10,000 people with that, with that food. And he blessed them, and all these people got some great food. They were all hungry, there was food, and so they got fed, and there was food left over. They collected back up 12 baskets after that. Then Jesus tells his disciples, I'll meet you on the other side of the lake. Uh, I'll meet you there. They, the night comes, and we saw last week they got into the boat, and all, or two weeks ago they got into the boat and went across the lake. We saw how they got over there. Now, when last week we saw as they got across the, the lake, all of these people who got fed come across the lake too, and they're seeking Jesus. And they come, and, and it, Jesus tells them, he calls out their motivation. He says, you're just seeking me because you got some good bread. Because I fed all of you, and, you know, it's, it's, it was like, hey, Jesus, follow Jesus. He gives out the bread. We don't even have to work anymore. Man, he's just going to give out some food. So they're following him, so they go and get some good bread. And Jesus calls them out, and he says this, you guys are just seeking me because of the bread. But listen, what you need to be seeking me for is because I am the bread. And he changes it to the spiritual conversation. And he says, and if you want to be spiritually fed, you want to be, know God, then you have to do this one thing believe in the one whom God sent. And we talked last week about the belief. It's essential. That's the one thing. You can't earn your way to heaven. It's just belief in Jesus. Now, there's, you, that belief can go very broad. It can be, oh, I just believe him, that he provides bread, or he's someone else. And we're going to see today what Jesus was talking about. And, it's gonna, and we're going to see this idea of what it really means to follow Jesus in this life-altering commitment. So let's pick up here it's a, it's a good bit of scriptures. It's more than I typically read, but it's all important. So hang in there. We're going to make it through. Here it says, John 6, 47. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. So imagine Jesus is telling this big, massive crowd of people on the, you know, he's by the shore there. He's telling them about, or he's actually in the synagogue as he's saying these things, but he's telling them about what it means. He says, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. And now imagine him doing this. Look at me here a second. He's doing this. He goes, but here is the bread. Here is the bread. Look what he says. That comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Great question, right? I mean, we could read through it now. We're like, oh, we understand. Yeah, we get it. They're like, this guy's wanting to eat his flesh? This is pretty weird. And they're starting to argue about what does he mean, right? Like, I like his bread, but now he wants to eat his flesh. That's gross, you know? So here we go next, 53. Jesus said to them very truly, I tell you, unless you, it's getting weirder, he says, unless you eat the, fl the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. 
This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Imagine hearing that for the first time. Would you be in that group probably too? You'd be like, what is this? We thought this guy was legit. Now he's getting weird. He wants us to drink his blood. It was this a kind of cult is this. You know, you start hearing, they're thinking this. And so what happens next? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, uh, said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> That's important. Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some who do not believe. For Jesus had known, he gives a little side note here, he says, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. So Judas is there and others they went on to say, this is why I told you, and here's that verse I referenced, this is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. He does the work. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus looks at the disciples. He says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus said to the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words. You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. We're going to stop right there. So, a little bit of crazy scriptures. You know, this whole idea that Jesus has fed them with real bread and now he comes to the point, he's talking about spiritual things and he starts to say, you've got to eat my bread and my flesh. You have to drink my blood. Now, they have no idea what he's saying, but the disciples do. They get it. They understand it. God has done something in their heart to open up their eyes and their ears and mind to understand that this is, Jesus isn't just talking about bread. And here's what he's talking about. He's saying, if you want to know life, if you want to be satisfied in this life, he says this, the, to be satisfied is to take him in completely, to fully take him in to your life. And he's saying this, I, to eat him like that is to accept him fully and not just be entertained by the idea of who he might be. If you want to know Jesus, it's not just a belief. It is more than a belief. It is a life-altering belief. Take it in is what he's saying and consume it. And so what happens here, it breaks them into two groups. And there's two groups here today. There's two groups throughout the world, these two dis distinct groups. And here's these groups. You have the first one. The scripture points to the first group as the dabblers. They were the ones who were just following along Jesus. They were coming for the bread, right? They saw, they hear the teachings, and they're just dabbling, right? They're just maybe, you know, just tasting a little bit. They hear the teachings, and they're drawn to Jesus for the perks, right? What, they want to know him for the perks, but leave when teachings get tough. And then you have the disciples. A disciple is committed to Jesus, and they engage and embrace these challenging scriptures and for a deeper relationship. So you have Dabblers, I, hey, I want some bread. I want the blessing. I want the favor. I want you to answer my prayers. I want you to provide. And they're just kind of dabbling. But when this tough teaching comes, it's like, whoa, that's a little hard. See, the heat went up. <laughs> the project got hard. And they're like, 
Ooh, I don't know about that. But the disciple says, hey, we're in. Where else are we going to go? you got the words of life. You are the bread. You satisfy my soul. That's the disciples. The point of this whole thing is this, that true discipleship, to be a follower of Jesus, involves a willingness to engage and apply challenging teachings. That when the heart gets hard and you don't agree with it all, you start to say, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to embrace this and I'm going to dig in because, Jesus, you have the words of life. Have you come to that place in your life where you're fully committed like a Peter and say, I've, where else are we going to go? Your words are life. And so today, here's what we have too. We also have today, we have modern dabblers. Modern dabblers. They engage with faith when convenient and for immediate benefits. When convenient. When the teaching agrees with their lifestyle, that's a modern dabbler. But as soon as it doesn't, they step back. What do you mean God says I can't sleep with this person? I don't like that. I'm going to do my own thing and maybe change it or whatever. What, what do you mean that God doesn't want me to do that? What do, you know, they start to ch- change their things around or it's not convenient. So they were just dabbling along the way, right? And, and maybe it's just they, it's because they want some immediate benefit. Life gets hard. The news of cancer comes. The phone call comes. Where are they the next Sunday? Hadn't been in years. Where are they the next Sunday? In a church. Family falls apart. Where are they? In a church. You know what was amazing? Back in uh, 2008, everybody remember the Great Recession? Yeah, some of us around, some of y'all weren't even born yet, and I don't know. But you know what happened in churches in the Great Recession? They filled up. It was like, I need Jesus to bless my life and take care of my family and provide food, provide, I mean, really, they sought him out. They were, those people were seeking Jesus for the bread. You know what people were doing in the recession? They're seeking Jesus for provision. Now, Jesus didn't mind providing, and sometimes he will. But that's not why we seek him. We understand there's something deeper. Dabblers seek him for the immediate benefits. Modern disciples do this. They are committed. They embrace challenges and sacrifices. Sacrifices for a deeper, lifelong relationship. So this scripture challenges us today to do this. Which group am I in? Am am I a dabbler? Do I just kind of dabble with this, my faith? Or am I a devoted, committed follower of Jesus Christ? And when the teaching gets hard, am I willing to stick in there and see it through? And when it's life gets hard and when things aren't going and I'm not getting the perks I wanted, am I going to stick it through? See, that's what a modern disciple is. Well, there's some distinct differences with them. Let me give you a few of these differences. There's a distinct difference in their motivation for seeking Jesus. One wants the perks, right? They want the perks. They want the things immediate. They want the answered prayers. They want God. They want the, to fill the things. They want the bread, whatever it is. And in your life, you may know, you know, when you're seeking Jesus, is it because you just want something from him or is it because you want him and you want a relationship with him? There's a distinct difference between the two, those who seek him or the things he blesses us with. There's also a distinct difference in their response to difficult teachings. 
the dabbler says, I don't like that one, I'm going to change it up. Or I'm just going to ignore that one or I'm just going to walk away. The disciple wrestles with it, engages with it. Says, Lord, what do you want to change in me? What do I need to do to be like, to, to carry out this thing or to live the way you want me to live? There's also a distinct difference in the depth of the relationship they have with God. The dabbler is just on the surface. It's occasional. They say, you know, when I'm in the mood, I'll maybe read my Bible or I'll go to church when I don't have anything else better to do. When the weather's nice, I'll be at the lake. But when it's not, I'll be at church. Or when the kids have all the sports, we're there. That's our season. We're doing that. The dabbler is just in for the relationship when it's convenient. The disciple says, this is it. This is everything. I make him my focus, my life. I want to be a part of this relationship. And they make it the most important thing. Disciples have, and dis, disciples and dabblers have a distinct difference in their level of commitment. A dabbler, when things get hard, they're, they're not super committed. They're not devoted. But a disciple through high times and low times, they're committed. But there's another distinct difference. And I threw this one in here because it's important. See, disciples and dabblers have distinct differences in the rewards of their path. The dabbler just gets a little taste of some bread, maybe a little bit of thing, a little bit of something. And it's just a... <clears throat> It's not much of a reward. But the disciple, they know the depths and the rewards of following Jesus. It's like this. I went to the beach a few weeks ago, went down to the beach. It was hot, you know, it was like a million degrees or something. And, and I'm not really a beach person, but I go because my family loves it. You know, we go, we go down there and, and um, my wife's shaking her head like, oh, come on, right now. <laughs> but I, I'm not really a beach person, but it gets hot and I go down, we get in the water, right? So it was so hot, you either had to stay in the shade or you got in the water. So I go down, we get in the water a little bit and, and you get our feet in, you get a little more, you know, up to here. You're like, okay, I'm in. And, and I could say, I have been to the ocean. I know the depths of the ocean now. I could say that, right? I mean, that would be pretty dumb to say though, wouldn't it? Because I, all I know is what my little bit of right here is. But there's mass, I mean, the, I mean, most of the planet. And I've not explored any of that. And here's what a dabbler does. They come to Jesus and they just kind of go in knee deep. Maybe way state, maybe a little higher. And they say, I have explored the depth of this relationship. When the depth of the relationship is so much more. The riches of the relationship is like as vast as the ocean, yet people just want to dabble with their feet in the water. He wants us to go all in, go swimming with him in the depths of this relationship. The dabbler doesn't get that reward of this relationship and depths of that and even in eternity, but the disciple swims with him and explores it. Disciple or dabbler? This message is important to me today because in 27 years of ministry, I've known a lot of people and I've known a lot of dabblers. 
So they look like they're in there with you. They're following along and as long as things are good and life's good. And, and then for whatever reason, they end up stepping back out and doing their own thing. They're like the crowd. And I've seen families ruined. I've seen their marriages ruined. I've seen their lives ruined. I've seen them lose out on the depth of a relationship with God. People I care about, close friends, I've seen it. So today I come preaching this message just encouraging you, like trying to persuade us not to be dabblers, but to be fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ because that's where the reward is. That's the, the, the joy and the peace. And I don't want to see any more friends, any more family members, any more church members, any more neighbors ruined. <clears throat> so which one are you? How do we keep from becoming a dabbler? Maybe you're there now. You're like, I don't want to go down that path. I want to know the rewards. Or maybe you, you're already dabbling and you want to go into the depth. I want to get real practical. I want to give you a few things that you can begin to put into practice in your life. How do you keep from becoming a spiritual dabbler? First one is this. You seek genuine spiritual nourishment over immediate benefits. And here's how it starts. Start with this question. Assess your why. Periodically ask yourself, why are you engaged in the various Christian activities? Why do you read your Bible? Why, do you, why are you here at church today? Why are you in a small group? Why do you pray? Is it to get the bread or is it to get closer to him? to get something from God or get closer to Him. What's your motivation? So you start to ask yourself, what's my motivation? See, the right motivation will lead us to the right results. Seek spiritual nourishment <coughs> over immediate benefits. The second thing, embrace challenging scriptures as an opportunity for growth. I shared this story a few years ago and I still come to it often when I think about this and it's I think it's very relevant to us today. It's, I heard, I was reading an article from this lady who was a, uh, a, a called herself a Christian and a practicing homosexual. And she was very vigilant in her, like, you can follow Jesus and practice homosexuality. She was very vigilant. She was like a leading voice. Until one day she was sitting down with her scriptures and sitting down with the Bible and she read the scripture that it said, die, you know, die to yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And, and you know how the scripture that we just read says, God, Lord does the work of drawing us to himself. He started to do something in her heart and she asked the question, this question of herself, like, what have I given up to follow Jesus? What have I died to? And what's my cross I'm carrying now? And as God began to do the work in her heart, she began to say, I haven't died to anything. What I want, I want my lifestyle and everything I was doing, and I want God to favor me in all of that. And that's the way so many people come to Jesus. I want to live the way I want. I'm gonna, I want Jesus to bless me and show me his favor, but I'm not making any changes. And so she said, God began to work in her heart, and she said, God told me to die to myself. And if I don't like if there's something he tells me I don't need to do, I need to die to myself, 
began to follow him, and she said, I began to realize this. My homosexuality was the cross I need to carry. And so she repented and now became a, vo a vocal of saying, if you're going to follow Jesus, you can't live that way. And some of us, it's not, you're, maybe, maybe you're wrestling with that. Maybe you're not. Maybe it's some other thing. You're like, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not going to follow any of those tough teachings. I just want his favor on my life. Do you embrace the challenging scriptures? Or when it gets tough, do you walk off like the many who did? Third thing, <clears throat> seek deep, consistent communion with God. Deep communion with him, not just worship, not just church, not just like going through the motions. Unlike you guys, I'm busy, I'm pastor of church, I'm also doing other things on the side and have a family, I'm a busy family, I've got meetings after church today and another thing later in this afternoon, I've got a lot going on. This week I had a very busy week. I was up early and I like to get up and read the scriptures first and but, and take some time to pray, but I didn't get to on a certain day this week. And I was going down the road and I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for some nourishment, spiritual nourishment. And I, I began to say, uh, all right, so what can I do? I'm riding down the road. So I had my phone there and I was, don't get him mad at me. I was at a red light and I stopped and I <clears throat> pull up my Bible. I was over at Sardis and in this road and I pulled up my phone and I pull up the Bible. And you know what the cool thing is? Like that little app that we sync to on there, you know, your Bible. If you didn't know this, it will actually read the Bible to you. And some of you are like, I don't read, so I'm not going to read. I just don't like to read. Well, listen, that's the lamest excuse today. It will actually read the Bible to you today. And so I began to, I said, all right, read me Ephesians 5. And so it started reading Ephesians 5. I said, read it again. So read Ephesians 5. And I'm just going through it each time, letting those scriptures soak and nourish me. And certain words were coming off. And then, and then the second verse, it says, walk in the way of love. And I just got him like, this is what I need today. Walk in the way of love. And every conversation, walk in the way of love. And it says, if you walk in the way of love, and it goes on to say, there will not be sexually immoral and greedy people in heaven. It goes on to say those things. And I just, it started sinking into my mind and just my heart that this idea that if you love people, you're not going to be sexually immoral. If you love somebody, you're not going to be sleeping with somebody you're not married to. <laughs> if you love somebody, you're not going to be greedy. You're going to treat them fair. And it just started going through. And listen, I didn't have to sit down and have a journal and highlighter and highlight all the stuff. It was just Bible, meet Jesus, and he spoke to me. Do you get that? Is that what happened in your life daily? He's seeking deep communion with him. And finally, establish spiritual boundaries. We all need boundaries. Did you know that there was a study done with kids and they put them out in a playground, like, kind of like our playground out here, and uh, they put them out there and, and the kids just, they didn't, they let them play and they didn't have a fence around them and they just let them play. <clears throat> And the, and, but they didn't expand out beyond the playground. But when they put the fence up, they were able to go all the way out to the fence. You know why? Because the fence, the boundaries gave them freedom and protection. And in our life, you know what we need? We need boundaries, spiritual boundaries. And here's the reason. Because if we don't have boundaries, we walk into danger. We, have, we let friends influence us and other people influence. And when culture says, hey, that teaching, that's old school. That teaching, that thing you're living, that's, that's so like 50 years ago. 
That, that we, we are more educated. Now, we don't, we don't believe that. When you set up boundaries and say, you know what? I'm going to have some boundaries around my life. I'm going to listen to truth. I'm going to surround my people who speak and believe truth. I'm going to focus and have my mind set on what is good and what is pure and what is righteous and holy. And the peace of God will protect my mind. Setting boundaries up. And everybody here today, you probably have a phone right there. And in that phone, we have access to the most evil things and some of the most good things. You have, a, you have access to a Bible that will read to you. <laughs> or absolutely destructive things. And we have to understand the boundaries of those things that will pull us away and fight against this truth of discipleship instead of dabbling. So what do we do? We ask the question, what's my motivation? Why am I seeking him? What am I doing with these hard scriptures? Am I practicing or am I just forgetting them and setting them to the side? Am I setting up boundaries in my life? We do these things. But I want you to understand something today. Perfection is not the goal. Perfection is not the goal. Devotion is. Perfection is not the goal because we will try to do all these things. And listen, you'll never be perfect enough to understand God and have received God's love. It's what Jesus did for us. But when we can come and say, I'm going to have up days and down days, days I don't get it right, days I blow it, but I am devoted. I'm devoted to him. I'm devoted to his word. And I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Dabblers aren't devoted. Disciples are. Are you devoted? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you this morning for speaking. <clears throat> I know you're working in our hearts right now. You've been working in mine through these scriptures and challenging me in areas where in my own personal life where I have led, um, just kind of dabbled a little bit and you just challenged me to get back to being devoted setting up boundaries in my life and even coming back and asking the questions why are you seeking me in this what are you seeking so father thank you for that you're speaking today thank you for the, for loving us Jesus thank you for coming being that bread and we want to consume you all the way in we want to take you in and feast on you. Your words are life. Your words are bread and they fill our thirsty souls. So we confess, Lord, at times we're just dabbling. Would you help us to be devoted disciples? This morning when your eyes close and just take a moment and I want you to reflect on this and I want you to ask the Lord this this morning. Lord, what do you want to say to me? about what I just heard. About being a dabbler, a disciple. What am I? What's my motivation? Is there anything you want to say to me personally? What's he saying? Maybe you feel some conviction that you've just been dabbling. 
Listen, today's a brand new day. Mercy's new this morning to start over. Perfection is not the goal. Devotion is. Start, start today. A new devotion. Maybe you stay, say, say this to yourself today. I'm tired of being a dabbler. I'm going to be a devoted disciple. Going into the deep part of the, of the ocean instead of just having my toes in the sand. week. Make time for him. Nourishment in him. Set up some boundaries. Deal with those difficult scriptures. Ask yourself, am I dying to myself? Am I taking up my cross and following him? Father, thank you for speaking to us. If if this morning you are new, you've never put your faith in Jesus, I'd encourage you. Jesus said, he's the bread. He's the, take him in. Put your faith in him, fully devoted, saying, I believe him. I want to follow him. I want to be a disciple. Start today. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for speaking to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.